Don't need no jazz. Yeah, but, yeah, but I, don't, I don't have my video pulled up. Damn it. Fuck, I can't do everything, Tabby. What is going on, everybody? I'm Kevin from Cigar Prop, and welcome to the I Tap That Cigar Show. I said that all. See, I I, I, I already messed up because I'm looking at my dumb green screen, and I messed up the whole beginning. It's because you're, not, you're well, trying not to move. I, I'm trying not to move uh, because my laptop battery died because my dog unplugged it a couple hours ago. So now nothing works on that laptops, and I had to go from my desk, and I got the virtual background. And if I move real fast, I was like in wax. You were like, "Hey, everybody!" This is Kevin Cigar Prop. Oh my god! Welcome to the I Tap That Cigar Show, presented by Corona Cigar. I'm your host, Kevin from Cigar Prop, and I'm coming to you live from the Drew Estate Experience Asset Studios here on the sunny Gulf Coast of Florida. And like I said, I'm I'm sitting at my desk, so my sound might be a little different. And then normal, we don't have our normal backdrop. But um, joining me as always, my co-host Caribbean Hante, Stogie Road Cigars. Also uh, uh, producing tonight, producer Jessica, um, not joining us tonight. She actually just got home from work, so Care's uh, pulling double duty uh, today. Jess, so Jess, yeah, Jess. no, Jess isn't here. Good. Well, I mean, she could have been here because I'd have taken her spot anyways. Because this is her. Well, I guess she could have kind of done it from the other spot, but you know. It is. We only got three more shows, Care. After tonight, three more shows. We go on our summer break. We're taking, what, six weeks off. And when we come back, I'll be in the new lounge, the new studio. No more fussing about. It'll be nice. You know what? I think, I don't know. Do you know where Jessica is? Where is Jessica? God only knows where she is these days, so I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you found that one. So, so yes. Um, uh, after tonight, we got three more shows, and then, uh, like I said, we go on our summer break. And I just got the uh, a text a few minutes ago from the AC guy. He's going to be out um, uh, July 8th. So, um, yes, we'll finally have AC in the new studio. Awesome. Um, and then I can start getting that drywall up. So, my first day of vacation. It, we're just going to hit the ground running and try and get as much accomplished as we can. So when we come back, I'll, you know, we'll be in the new, the new studio. That's exciting, man. I can't wait to visit. Yeah. It's been, say it. I, it's been, it's awesome. I'll have room for you. Not like, remember, I remember when I come visit your old garage, it was two of us squeezed in your little table, you know? <laughs> hey man, don't, don't knock it. Don't knock the old lounge. No, not. I mean, we we had we had good times in the uh, the old lounge. It was know? very tight. It was. It was. It was a little uh, a little snug. A little so. snug. A little snug. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. Um, this Thursday, July 29th, uh, we'll we'll finally be doing the uh, uh, the live giveaway with Illusione Cigars. Fred Rui. He just got back uh, from Nicaragua. 
So uh, make sure you tune in live because it's not just for the people that entered the contest. I believe Fred's going to be doing some live drawings and giveaways during our show. Probably only last about an hour, but uh, definitely tune in to uh, all the platforms. If you're watching this show, whatever platform you're watching this show on, that's what that giveaway will be on um, as well. Um, Easy, Manny. Leave, leave Kev alone. He's experiencing some te technical difficulties. I know. I, I, I hate because if I turn off the green screen, all you can do is, is see my messy office behind me, and nobody wants to do that. Plus, I have advertisers that need to be, you know. The same great content, Manny. It is. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, not liking the back. I'm not liking the background either. I don't have a choice. So, uh, yeah, I know I have a professional studio set up, but I got a a laptop that you can't take the battery out of without tearing apart the laptop. So when you, when you plug it in, it just, what a pain in the ass. And it takes like three hours to charge. All right, Kev. I need a cigar care. Let's get right. right to, let's get right to the cigar medics, humidimeter cut and light. Remember with the cigar medics, humidimeter, you'll always know. Oh, look at that now. Okay. I'll hold it up in front of my black with the cigar medics, humidimeter. You'll always know when to hold them and know when to smoke them. Um, I am smoking a cigar from our uh, our guest tonight, Bangani Cigars. Unfortunately, care yours never came. No. Uh, and, you know, so uh, uh, hopefully they're just lost or just in transit still. Um, I smoked one last night, a really really good cigar. So I'm really uh, stoked to smoke this one tonight. What are you smoking uh, tonight? Uh, I am smoking the Bangani. Um, I don't have my propo meter here, and I don't want to move, but uh, I am smoking the eyeball it. <laughs> I can't. Five and a half. Was it five and a half by fifty-two? I'm assuming. No, five. Five by fifty. It looks like is what right. I, is what I've got, and it's a seventy-one percent oh. uh, humidity. So, absolutely perfect. I'm smoking the uh, Lancero, the Lancero of the oh. uh, Sandella. Right and on. I am at a comfortable sixty-six percent. Oh, absolutely perfect. Yeah. A lighter from over here. Try. Oh, I see. I just disappeared again. You're disappearing, disappearing. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. Not. No. Well, it doesn't disappear. Oh boy, you're. You're. Wow. I know. Well, I Kevin know. desperately looks for an operating lighter, an operative lighter. Um, I like to. Uh, I like to share the fact that Kevin uh, was able to 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 overcome adversity this evening and still pull through. A, a great background and the show notes and um, all that you see in front of you within a minute and a half. Yeah. So for all those who are critical, put you in that situation and you'd cancel the show. Yeah. I, I could have went from my phone, but then that nah, was just a pain in the butt. Or you run a show like, uh, like uh, Bandy, the show Bandy likes to watch. Yeah. Oak Island. Oak Island and say we didn't find anything. Well, just run the one from last year when we found that penny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> nobody will notice it's a different no the same show. So just put different commercials, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, but yeah, like we were talking uh, in, in, in when, with the new lounge, I'm gonna have a either a drop down green screen or one I can pull off, you know, in case of an emergency. Yeah, so. yeah. So, Kevin, why don't you tell us about our sponsors for this evening? Before we bring our lovely guest on, that's it. Thank you for keeping me on track, <laughs> Carvia Hante. So, all I right, for the best um, one. I learned for the best of them. 
Right on. So, all right, before we bring on our guest tonight, we want to take a moment to thank all of our show partners for making this happen each and every week. So thank you to J.C. Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amandola Cigars, We Are the Muscle, Jake Wyatt Cigars, Illusione Cigars, Deep in Flavor, Deep in Your Mind, K by Karen Burger Cigars, Corona Cigar, and of course, Drew Estate and Experience Acid. So waiting patiently in the experience acid green room is Kamal Muhaibar from Bangani Cigars. Kamal, welcome. Can Here we are. Me? Kevin Kerr. Good morning. Hey, hello. Good. Hey, good. Lovely meeting you. Good meeting. Did, did, did I get your... I, I didn't know if that was an H or a K. Is it Muhaibar or Mukaibar? It's Mukaibar. Mukaibar. Ah. Yes. So... I I, I, uh, I guessed I guessed on that one with my uh, my limited language uh, linguistic <laughs> skills. Yeah, it's a Lebanese uh, Lebanese origin. So Le Le Lebanese, you know, uh, um, uh, well, well, we're gonna get to that in a second. But uh, uh, where where are you coming from to us tonight? From Geneva. Geneva, from Swi oh. Switzerland. Okay, I I had I I don't want sure if you're gonna come from Switzerland or Mozambique. I I saw that you know you had moved to Switzerland, so all right. So what what yeah. time it, what time is it in Switzerland? It's one thirty a.m. <laughs> well, th wow. thank you for staying <laughs> up late or getting up early to come to come join us for the night. Yeah, you you welcome you welcome staying up late indeed. Uh, no, because the the, the team is is in Mozambique. The cigars are made in Mozambique. Uh, I myself am based in Geneva simply because these guys, the guys don't need me anymore there. They just don't want me there. I need to be, you know, closer to our markets, to our clients. Um, well, that's that's it. So we, we got good friends of the show, Sebastian uh, Decope with Cavalier Cigars. He's based out of, uh, you know, he's in Switzerland right now. Do you, are you familiar with him or his brand? Yes, I'm familiar with the brand. I mean, Switzerland is the big hub in Europe for, for cigars. And many, uh, many of the well-known brands, including Davidoff and El Septimo and many others, are based out of Switzerland. Okay, so, so it's kind of like Miami here in Florida. That's where all the, the hubs are based out of. Yeah, yeah. In a way, yes. It's because the, the tax treatment and the regulations on cigars in Switzerland are much friendlier than anywhere else in Europe. Oh, right, right on. Um, you, you had mentioned a uh, Lebanese. So uh, um, I have that in my notes. Um, 
And, and I actually had a, a, a care. I, you probably laughed when I saw my notes. I don't know how to ask things um, like uh, gracefully, but I've got <laughs> Lebanese friends. You don't look or sound like my Lebanese friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I've been told that all my life. Um, that's partly true. I don't look generally, you know, people don't, don't generally guess that I'm Lebanese or even that I speak Arabic. And very and many, many times this has um, been the source of, of, of funny, funny misunderstandings because, because people would speak Arabic in front of me, assuming I didn't understand. <laughs> and then I would shoot right back in Arabic. So it would be quite fun. Probably is due to the fact that I have also some Swiss Swiss blood. I'm 25% Swiss. Might, might have something to do with it. Okay, that 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 probably makes sense. I, I know I have a, a friend of mine. Uh, he, you know, he's uh, um, he's as white as white can be, and uh, both of his parents are uh, um, Ukrainian. So we have a big Ukrainian community in our town, and they'll okay. speak Ukrainian, not knowing that he can. And then they don't say nice things to about him. So uh, he always he always <laughs> finds it uh, quite quite comical. So. Um, other than uh, uh, so so you're you're Lebanese. So we're we're gonna start off with the the little bit I know about you because obviously you you're just entering the U.S. market. You've been doing this the cigar thing for a while, but um, born in Lebanon, studied electrical engineering at the American University of Beirut, then went on to the top one of the top business schools of the world in the world, HEC in Paris. Worked in finance mm-hmm. for almost twenty years in London. Now you own a cigar company in Mozambique, South Af- or Africa. Is that is that it? Is that pretty yeah. much the nutshell of your life? Yeah, spot on. I don't know where you got, got all of this. Yeah, absolutely right. I'm I'm really good at what what I do. So uh, I, yeah, that, that's everybody always. You know, I don't know. They they always say how I can come across some of the most you know mundane details about somebody. The best but, researcher. Um, that I I am a good researcher. We're gonna start off. With college, electrical engineering, we're gonna we're gonna go way back, and then we're gonna progress through the cigars. Electrical mm-hmm. engineering to studying finance. Um, why why the switch? Why not electrical engineering? The world always needs a good electrical engineer. <laughs> Look, yeah, that's that's the money question. Uh, well, it's all about the money. I mean, um, engineering is an amazing, is a great way after high school to to continue studying, to build your scientific background and so on. <clears throat> it was the time of the big boom in finance. And so I really wanted to be with the big boys in finance, basically. I dreamt of that, worked very hard, and eventually ended up there. Uh, because that was how you made the most bucks. It was the most fun, the most exciting. So I went to business school in France. And from there, I, um, I got an offer to work on a trading floor in London, in the city. So I worked uh, in a bank on the trading floor, trading what was called derivative instruments. You know, that same ones that exploded in 2008. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those ones. <laughs> so so that, that, that was the, the path. And then um, from there, fast forward a few years, I ended up, ended up in Mozambique doing a real estate project. Actually, quite interesting, interesting story there. <clears throat> Because I wanted to get out of uh, get out of finance by that time, it was the crisis. I had done enough and so on. And as I was in Mozambique doing that real estate project, um, I see some. You know, I was out. I think I had one one drink too many, and uh, I see a guy. 
some guy smoking cigars and one guy just rolling some cigars at the entrance of a club that I like quite a lot. And uh, basically, he's Mozambican. He had spent some time in Florida. He had learned to, to roll cigars there. And he was doing it in a very artisan way with local tobacco. And that's how the Bongani story, uh, the adventure started. I'm not sure if I want to. I don't, you know, I I don't know anything about Mozambique. I don't, you know, we we from only from what I see on TV in the Discovery Channel. I don't mm -hmm. know if I'd want to have one too many drinks, you know, uh, in a in a strange country that I'm not from, you know. I, and then you you know you're walking down the street, so you know. But I guess if you're doing business down there, maybe a little safer. I I would assume. Uh, Mozambique is very very safe. Is is it uh, okay? Is extremely safe. I mean, you know, like any other country, it's actually uh, look. Let's not start comparing, but it's very safe. Uh, people are very very friendly, and uh, the beer is excellent. Mozambican beer is well known to be one of the very best in Africa, oh. and music as anywhere in Africa. But music is also very good. So you are if if you step into Maputo, you will end up in a fun bar drinking good beer sooner or later. It now, find, now, if you now, don't find it, it will find you. Do you know where now, Mozambique is, Kev? I I do. Um, and then we actually have a, a a photo of down you know downtown Maputo. So uh, um, uh, pulled up here. Nice, very nice. I think see. I don't know if I can post anything or, or you guys can do that, but uh, I can perhaps contribute um, a picture. I don't know if you can do that or not. Anyway, of a bridge. If you tap in, uh, I. I, I know that I know that bridge. Um, yeah, I think it's a good place to start because, look, I, I, I'm, it looks like I'm a bit older than you guys. When I was growing up, Africa was all about famine, horror stories, civil war, and that sort of stuff. And there were quite a few of them across the continent. Keep in mind that the continent, Africa, is extremely large. You can fit all of China and all of the U.S. and all of India inside inside um, inside Africa. Uh, all of that you have to reboot and forget about. Over the past 30 years, it has been a very nice cycle of growth all over the place, certainly in Mozambique. You know, uneven and ups and downs and so on and boom and bust. But at the end of the day, oh, here we are. I, you know, I very often start any presentations with this photograph and asking people, so where's this bridge? Is it San Francisco? Is it New York? And of course, it's in Maputo in Mozambique. It's the longest suspension bridge in Africa. So the place, you know, place has moved on a lot. It's it's very friendly. The Mozambicans are incredibly friendly. You know, you have to say hello to anyone you 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 cross if you're walking down Maputo. You're going to say Bondia 15 times a day at least, and people are lovely. So let, let's uh, let's back up for a second. We 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 just found out how you got to Mozambique on a business trip. Let's mm -hmm. let's back up for a second and then find out. I, mean, I want to know where in your life you were when you discovered cigars. You know, I know you're walking down the street, you saw someone rolling some cigars, but when did you discover cigars for the first time? Yeah, a very good point. I, must, I think I was in my early twenties. Actually, I don't think I know. I, am, I was in my uh, mid-20s, about 25, 26 years old. I worked in finance, and whenever we closed a good deal, we would, uh, we would go have a drink and have a cigar. And then I developed the, the habit on, on weekends to go and read my paper and draw my cigar. 
in a in a nice hotel in uh, in London, and that's how that's where I started, and that's where I discovered it. Okay, and, uh, so, so like a lot, you know, like a lot of people, you know, bit you know, business, you know, uh, you know, once a week thing. And then I'm assuming it turned into a an every day and multiple multiple times a day, <laughs> like, like yeah, the rest yeah. of us. Absolutely, and then I went to Cuba on uh, on a holiday trip. Brought, brought back a whole load of them, so bit by bit, I just discovered uh, this guy, discovered and enjoyed the uh, intrusive guys. Yeah. So, so we're so we're now we're, we're we're back. You know, you're you're walking down the street. You see, you see the the gentleman rolling cigars. Um, wh- when did it strike you that I, I want to have a cigar company? You know, um, how, you know, how long after that that moment? Yeah, it was completely nuts because you know I had. I had worked in finance all my life, which also means I had never produced anything. I had done deals and maybe produced a financial product, but I had never produced anything physical. So uh, I thought it would be great fun, and I thought this would be some side project just for fun on the side. So, and I thought, we, you know, uh, we would just produce some cigars, sell them locally in Mozambique ju- just for a laugh. Uh, and then what? And then a number of positive coincidences started happening, to the extent that I actually kept an Excel sheet with all the good stuff that was happening. Because normally, whenever you start a new project, and I did quite a few of those, you always have a mountain to climb, right? You always have some issues, some obstacles, some crazy stuff. In this case, it was the, it was the opposite. Good stuff was happening all the time. For example, because um, I thought we would use you know local branding, something cheap, and so on. And one guy uh, who is a friend of a friend of a friend gets in touch and says, hey, look, I've heard about your project, wanting to launch the first African cigar brand. He owned a very, very good uh, uh, branding and advertising agency. And he said, look, I just want to do this. I want to do it for free for you. I love the project. He's a big cigar smoker himself. And uh, so I said, look, no, no, don't do it for free. Just give us good payment terms because we're just starting. We don't want to do it for free. And and they did an amazing job. And they helped us. We worked with them on the logo, on the meaning, on the name, and so on. Because, you know, Bongani means be grateful in Zulu, which is the local African language where we are based. And, uh, and I thought this was an amazing, very nice uh, motto, the heart of what we want to do. Because I think if you can enjoy a good cigar with friends, that's something to be grateful for. So, so we, we've got we got the logo pulled up on on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. um, what what is, what is the the elephant? And then I'm not sure what is in the elephant's trunk. What what is what is oh. that? Okay, yeah. So uh, basically, we want to send to our clients. And we have we have a split second, right, to send a message to our client. And we the first message we want to send is. We are African. This is an African cigar, the first African cigar. And maybe we'll discuss why Africa, by the way. There's a whole reason why it makes a lot of sense to produce cigars in Africa. So uh, so the, the, the elephant is a very readily recognizable symbol of Africa. We, we thought about it for a while and hesitated with other symbols and other ideas, but having tested it with many people, we just elected on the elephant. Now, the elephant is holding a, a spare. It's a Swahili spare. So Swahili means it comes from Kenya, which is also from East Africa, another country north, further north. And it's holding the spare in celebration upwards. So, 
and uh, so so yeah so so that's how we alighted on that logo and uh, the messaging behind it which is be grateful so people that, that so i got a map pulled up on the screen <laughs> oh, good, good. so, so yeah. I, I so i do have so so for a couple of reference points i have mozambique circled with the arrow up north you'll see uh, musafa from the lion king that was in kenya so he was just talking about kenya so you can see that's where musafa was from and then over there to the left is Jeremiah Mirafil, uh, over there in the Cameroon yeah. region. So everybody knows, right. everybody knows yeah. uh, Jeremiah. So I thought I would just pull a map up here. We'll refer back to this a couple of times throughout the, the show. I, I very I, good, I, Kev. Yeah, I you know wait, wait, I, you, you you know me. I, I'm not good with maps. <laughs> Look, one shout out to Jeremiah because when we when I started, I went to see him in Belgium to see if we could source our wrapper from them. And which we do, which is um, which has got to be a, an honor because, I mean, there's not a lot, a, like a lot of super premium Cameroon, you know, out there. And then when you need the best of the best of the Cameroon, you have to go through Jeremiah. You, I mean, there's no, you, you don't have an option. That, that's a, he's your option. Yeah, absolutely. The Cameroon wrapper is one of the best in the world, as we all know. It's an amazing leaf. It is one of the reasons why it makes sense to produce cigars in Africa is because Africa has been producing top quality tobacco for a long time, except it, the, the raw material, the tobacco is being shipped elsewhere to the Dominican Republic and elsewhere to be, to be included in some of the best cigars in the world. So we thought, why not do the opposite? Keep, you know, source as much as possible of the raw materials locally and train the local labor force to to, to roll cigars. And maybe we'll discuss that in, in more detail. So, so yeah, so I went there literally begging and trying on my best, being on my best behavior. So they would, uh, so they would uh, give us source some, you know, some uh, Cameroon wrapper for us. Yeah, let, let's let's talk about, you know, uh, um, you know, just how, how the company got started, you know, um, you know, it, was it difficult starting a, you know, you say that Africa has a long history of, of growing tobacco, but uh, was it difficult starting a company in Mozambique, a cigar company itself, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, like any new business, uh, six years later, you think, what was I thinking? <laughs> this was not. This was completely, you know, unconscious. So you, when you start something like this, you never really know whether you are the genius of the village or the idiot of the village. And frankly, <laughs> and, and some people might say the, the jury is still out. But so uh, was it hard? To, so what I did is, first of all, I went to the Dominican Republic and I hired uh, our head of production, Anthony. Anthony is deeply steeped in the cigar world. He's worked for 15 years at Macanudo. He at General Cigar. He's one. Of, he was one of their top guys there. And I convinced him to join us in this project of launching a cigar brand. You know, the first African cigar brand. So he he joined me in Maputo. We had I had already prepared, hired a core initial team of cigar rollers to be trained, and that's how we started. And we started first with a local market to learn, to improve. We made a number of mistakes, and then we started improving all the time. And we branched out from there. Then we went, keep in mind, South Africa is next door. It's a very developed economy. So we started exporting there. And, you know, people help you along the way. Um, 
I, I didn't know that I would sell one cigar. I thought if I can sell one cigar, I'm sure I can sell a thousand, but will I get one? And uh, the short answer is people love it. People are very curious about um, other, other terroir, as they call them in French, you know, the mixture of soil, sun, tobacco, know-how, production, aging, all of that. I think people are, are, are always curious. I think Africa has its place in the whole world discussion, conversation about brands. Where are the African brands, right? Africa has a huge continent of 1.2 billion people. Uh, that And, you know, people of African roots have on every continent, in every country. But uh, there aren't that many well-known African brands. So, so that was also an open avenue. And that helped us a lot. So let, let, let's, back, yeah. let's back up for one second. Um, why, well, first of all, why the Dominican Republic? Why not Nicaragua, Honduras, um, or, or any other country? Um, well, you know, it, it, I just needed to source know-how, to source people who knew something about cigars because I, I didn't know much <clears throat> except for being a consumer. So um, I had already some contacts there. Uh, again, through con, you know friends of friends and so on. So I, I just went there. I didn't even speak a single word of, of Spanish at the time. I mean, because I speak French, it was easy. But still, um, my wife at the time actually wrote down on a piece of paper the questions I should ask so, so I could read them in Spanish. I would understand if people spoke slowly, <laughs> but that was the level. Uh, and then, oh, yes. So, uh, yes, because also I had been to, I was at Dortmund. Um, a few months before, you know, Dortmund is, is the yep. big tobacco fair every year. And I had picked up some contacts from there and they said, well, you know, you speak with my cousin this, you speak with my friend that there, the old cigar rollers, they'll introduce you to everyone you need. And, and that, that's what I did. I spent 10, 10 20 days there uh, in Santiago, just going around, uh, meeting people and hiring people. So, so I, I'm trying to wrap my head around you showing up in the Dominican Republic with a piece of paper with questions and just going around. I mean, that just that absolutely blows my mind. You know, uh, how, how many people did you talk to? Did they think you were crazy? Uh, well, actually, I, <laughs> they didn't because they joined, but um well, I did have some basic knowledge of Spanish, let's be clear, because I also spoke, you know, keep in mind, in Mozambique, the language spoken is the African language, which is Zulu and Changan, but also is Portuguese. The, so I spoke a decent, half-decent Portuguese. So I was able to sort of get by. But still, yes, I mean, uh, now that you think of it, it's, it's, it's partly crazy. And maybe some people, maybe all of them thought I was nuts. I mean, there are people who still still think so to this day. So, so what what did, what did you? I mean, Anthony. So you got him to just pack up his whole life. You know what was what yeah. was the selling what was the selling point? I mean, you have to be the world's greatest salesman to you know to a a, a roller you know working for you know an established company you know uh, uh, to pack up and move to Africa. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I convinced him to, to join me in this project where we had not produced a single cigar to create the first African cigar brand. But 
you see where you, where there was some, where a resource to tap into is this. So when you're a cigar roller in, in the Dominican Republic uh, or elsewhere, you are paid a decent salary, but you are overworked. You have no part in the upside of the company. Generally, people are paid about $450, $500. I think it's gone up a little bit these days. Um, but they, they barely get by. And by the end of the month, there's nothing left in the bank. And then they have to start again. And they're really, really pressed. Very Many of them work as second jobs as well. And I could see that that talent could be put, put to work as part of a growth plan where you say to someone, uh, look, you have that talent, you got, you've got that know-how, I know how to set up a business, I know how to sell a product, or at least I can try, and I'll give you upside in that in that business. And if we go and, and you know, get, take our share of, of, of the market, the upside is not only going to be mine, it's going to be, you know, you're going to be part of that adventure. And every person in, in the firm today is, you know, get a piece of the upside. They don't need, not like just cigar rollers, they're all, we're all part of the same team, and, and people are very, very proud of, of what they're doing and of the growth they're creating. And for themselves, for, you know, for the company, but for themselves and their families. Care, could, could, you, could you drop everything and, and go to another country? I mean, it's just... Uh, well, like, like you said, I mean, when, you're, when you have the opportunity, I, 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 you, know. you know, I mean, uh, all things being relative, you show me a picture of that bridge that might get me there. Uh, but, uh, I think, I, you know, I think with, with what was offered, it was probably an offer that was really tough to refuse, but that still takes a lot of courage and guts to do that. And, and more important confidence in what you were, what your vision was. So that speaks volumes to what you were, um, offering and, and, and your business plan. Yeah. And, and look, six years down the road, if you ask Anthony, it's his life, it's his family. He, he derived from it. Uh, quite a lot more money than than he would have ever made, mm -hmm. uh, and of course, it's now he's incredibly proud of of the product and his team. Um, but also keep in mind, you know, depending on where you were born and where you live, opportunities are not the same. So in some places like the Dominican Republic, you know, if you're a cigar roller, it can get tough. It's tough as a life. So if someone comes in and offers you. Uh, you know, a great opportunity, you, of course, you're leaving behind family and friends. And we had a good deal as to, you know, how often he comes back and the company pays for his travel, of course, and all of that. Um, he had to trust, you know, and I had to trust. <laughs> I was away yeah. from my family as well. Uh, because by that time, my family was back in Europe. But um, it was an amazing adventure. Still is. So, so, so you, you bring Anthony back after, after 20 days over there, you, you bring him back to, to Mozambique. So did you have, were, were did you have a, a co the company, the, the factory, was it set up or did you come back with him and you guys started building out a factory and getting tobacco? Like how far along, like, were you into the company when, when you brought him in? Yeah. So uh, good question. No, what we did is, so we agreed on everything. Then I went back partly to Europe first and to Mozambique. And, and we finalized the deal together. I sent him a contract. Uh, he did a lot of due diligence on, on Mozambique and on me. So 
for example, he spoke, I got him to speak with quite a few contacts. How would life be like there? Uh, you know, all of those things. So he knew quite a lot what he was getting into. He didn't just jump in completely, you know, after 20 days like this. Oh, he spoke okay. to a lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah. He spoke to a lot of people, people on the ground, researched it and so on. And and I think God, uh, and, you know, and he, he checked my background as well, whether any, I was anywhere near serious and so on. And then, yes, I had already set up everything else so that by the time he arrived, everything was ready. I mean, by everything, I mean, I had hired the first core team of cigar rollers to be trained. Uh, we already had the premises. We already, so the basics were there. And then by the time he got there, everything was more or less ready yeah, to get started. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. So, so where where did you your so the the you you hired the first team of cigar rollers to be trained by Anthony? Where mm -hmm. where did you pull those um, pull those rollers from? Like what industries were they in? Because obviously there's no cigar rolling. So what industries were they from? Absolutely, that's the other thing. There's no cigar rolling. There was no cigar culture. So. Uh, they worked, as so often in Africa, many people work in, in jobs that are um, slightly underpaid and it varies. I think they were in some corporate environment. Basically, I, 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 um, there's a guy who's, he, who's the head of um, a bit like a charitable network. And, uh, and he's got like Sunday church and all of that. And he was introduced to me because someone else who had started another business had worked with him to, to hire people. So, and since then, whenever we need to hire more people, we go to him. <laughs> He's our only source. So he has a, like a charity network. He helps a lot of people and he also simply works with, knows all the mothers, a lot of the mothers, for example, who come to church on Sunday there and so on and so on. So I interviewed people. I had the first four, uh, actually were there four, three, the first three to start. And uh, they were very happy to get started. They, they're all part of the company to this day. And they're actually very much the, at the heart of it. And then Anthony arrived. And one of the questions we had is, how long does it take to train a cigar roller who is not in the cigar culture, who is not Dominican, and so on? Uh, and also, we didn't know. I had budgeted for a year. We could survive this, you know, uh, with very minimal sales for a year. And within three months, we already had uh, pretty decent cigars, basically. And I remember when I had the very, very first cigar, uh, we went with Anthony, we dropped everything, we sat in a coffee shop. I have a picture of that very first cigar. And we sat there and we smoked it. And we loved it. It was too, it was too thin, too short. But that took some... <laughs> we got that feedback way mm. later from clients. But... Uh, we loved it. And it was like, okay, this is incredible. This is nuts. <laughs> we just made a cigar. So, so, so that, and that, that, that is, that is, you know, I, and I, and I know that feeling cause I, I've had those moments throughout life, you know, but, uh, you know, care, you, you have a cigar company. You, you, you remember the, the, the first time I said, mm -hmm. you know, you got, you got your cigar. I, I have cigars made for me, you know, but your first cigar. Yeah, I mean that's you know like you said when when you have that moment, especially what Kamal's talking about with all the work they put into it. When you sit down and you smoke that first cigar, it's uh, no matter how many construction issues there are, the flavor you're just really happy and proud that you know you got a very strong base and and you couldn't be any happier. 
Yeah, it's insane. And you've just done something that didn't exist before. Now, whether you'd be able to sell it to thousands and thousands of people is another story. <laughs> but it wasn't there. Now it's here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was. And then from there, we started selling low level locally. And then we got our first serious order from, from a distributor. And I was stunned. I was nearly, you know, like I was almost had tears, I think, coming out of that meeting because the guy was like, yeah, okay, send me a thousand sticks. We'll take it from there. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> Do you want a thousand of those? So it was amazing. It was insane. And uh, I, I came out of there quite emotional. <clears throat> of course, I didn't show it to him. I, I pretended, you know, <laughs> we did we did thousands per, per, per day. Uh, and that was it. And from there, it was ups and downs, some crazy ups, crazy downs. But Generally, the, the direction of travel was one way. Kev, I got a question. Um, yeah. When you said um, Anthony came in um, after you had you know, established the facility and had a couple of rollers, when he came in, did he what, what immediate impact did he make outside of training the rollers or walking mm -hmm. in these don't like that, get rid of that, bring in, we need more of this? Like, What did he come in and, and make an immediate impact that uh, you knew that this was the right choice? Oh, you mean Anthony? Yeah. Look, uh, <clears throat> uh, without him, this not, none of that would, would be happening. And, and uh, because it, it, what he understood very, very well that this was not about rolling cigars. This is about growing a project. This is about first of all transmitting that knowledge to the cigar rollers, giving them that 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 uh, not you know rolling cigars, but also giving them the whole tobacco cigar culture, mm -hmm. and. And we all had to do every job. So we, he had to control quality. He had to be select, you know, about, we had to build the, the, cigar, the cigar, the construction, the draw together. So he had to be very steeped in every, very steeped in everything and not just be a cigar roller. And he understood that from day one. And he had also to be a good manager. And I remember down the road, I think within a year, there were some, some issues and some frictions with people because some of the cigar rollers by that time were growing in confidence and, uh, you know, there, some of them were behaving, towards, you have to manage their egos as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, we, he went to my, he came to my office and I remember very well giving him the example of, I don't know if you guys are familiar with European soccer, with um, Real Madrid. And at the time, Zinedine Zidane was the coach. And I said, look, because everyone understands football. So certainly in Africa, where people are completely football crazy. So I said, look, you know, Real Madrid, it has Ronaldo, it has this guy, that guy. They're all divas. They're all superstars. But the boss is Zinedine Zidane. He's the coach. You're, you're, you're the boss. You're the un, you know, unrivaled, undisputed boss. But your job is to get the, the best out of people, out of everyone. And he, he gets it. He used to be, by the way, a nearly professional basketball player prior to being a cigar roller. So he gets it. He has that, that discipline and th that sports uh, mentality. So, so yeah, but, but now he's the boss there. This is why I'm not, I'm not even there. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he runs it. Now, now, now um, uh, did he, did he blend the cigar? Did you have, you know, uh, 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 did you, do you have a master blender? How did, how did that go, you know, creating that first cigar? We had, uh, and we still do have, a panel of a number of cigar smokers in Mozambique. 
you know, all these countries are big on cigars. Not, not big that is in America, but there's, there's a core group of people who smoke. It's a small market, so they quickly um, got to know us. And so we tested, and we still test to this day, we tested blends and different sizes and different blends and different everything on, on, on people. Because it's not just about, we didn't have a master blender, we just had, you know, clients. And we tested on them, and we worked out a cigar that uh, we liked. Then, as I said, some clients came back and said, look, it's too thin. Can you make it bigger? Can you make it this and that? Which we did. Again, through a test, test, test. And uh, down the road, you... And actually, we're coming, up, we're coming back, we're coming out now with, with more blends and, and more sizes and so on. So, so, so do you currently have a master blender or someone blending the cigars? Um, in a sort of an informal way, yes, but we do not have like one guy who's a master blender who's full on, uh, because we have a blend that we worked out, that we worked a lot on. It works. We sell thousands and thousands, like the one you're smoking, the Robusto. So we don't change it. We have two other Vitolas. We only have, that's the other thing is we, we thought let's do a small number of cigars and Vitolas, but let's do them well. We're not going to compete, you know, with, uh, here, here we are. So we have three Vitolas. We have the Robusto, which is the 5 by 50 the one you're smoking. And by the way, Kerr, super apologies for, for, you, for, for you not having got your stock. I don't know what happened there. We shipped to both of you guys. That's all right. um, yeah, we, we shipped from Tampa. Our stock is in Tampa, so I, I don't know what happened. Sorry for that. Now, we have also the, the Bongani 458. So that's 4 inches and 58 gauge. That's a thick and short cigar. It's a little reference to the Ferrari 458, by the way. And then we have the Bongani Toro, the 658, 6 inches by 58. We're going to be coming out with a Corona, I think, in the coming month. So uh, 40, uh, 40 uh, gauge, much thinner. So, and then uh, um, and you said, and then uh, you'll have future different blends as well? Yeah, yeah, we will, exactly, exactly. I mean, we test a lot on our clients, basically, because it's not just, you know, sometimes people say, let me try it. Well, yeah, great, but we need other palettes, other people uh, to try it as well and give us their opinion. And we have a number of really, uh, and we, we just blind test on them on a regular basis to figure so, out our so next Vitola. Yeah. So where, where, so where are you sourcing the, the tobacco from? You, you know, you talked about getting uh, uh, the, the Cameroon wrapper from uh, from Jeremiah Mirfell. Um, did he get you other tobacco, you know, for the blends, you know, for the, uh, the, the binder fillers? Did you source those on your own and where, where are they coming from? So what we did is I brought um, five, five varieties of seeds from the Dominican Republic, which are, you know, the ones that are, uh, would be well known to, to, to Dominicans like Piloto Cubano, San Vicente, uh, Criollo, Noventocho, and so on. I, we brought the seeds uh, and we work with farmers in, in Mozambique and in Zimbabwe to grow the tobacco for us. But we will also buy tobacco from, you know, whoever produces great tobacco will buy from them. So we don't only exclusively use our tobacco or our farmers and so on. We will just go and source the best tobacco we can find. Because at the end of the day, what we want is the best product we can produce. And then the cigar. So by the way, Zimbabwe is the country just west of Mozambique, which is a huge, one of the largest tobacco producing countries in the world. 
Yeah, now, exactly now, that. Yeah. Um, what 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 kind of tobacco are are they known for? So they they mainly produce cigarette tobacco. Huge quantities that are shipped generally to the U.S., for example, uh, to be included in some of the top uh, cigarette brands. So the know-how to grow tobacco, so it's Burley, Virginia, that sort of stuff. So the know-how to grow tobacco is there, but it was generally cigarette tobacco. And that trend, you are going to see it more and more, by the way. So those farmers, they know how to grow tobacco. Uh, the, to give you a sense, a kilogram of cigarette tobacco will probably sell for $3, $3 per kilogram. Okay. Uh, well, uh, an aged and fermented um, cigar tobacco cigar tobacco will probably sell at two, at two, three, four, five times this, all the way to twenty-five dollars a kilogram. So they understand increasingly now that they can make much more money and much more margin by selling cigar tobacco as opposed to cigarette tobacco. So I'm not saying the whole country is switching there, but increasingly, top yeah. farmers in Africa are working with some of the brands that you will know and growing tobacco for them. That's going to happen more and more, and that's sort of the next frontier. And indeed, I actually know personally some farmers in Zimbabwe, for example, who are shipping their tobacco to the Dominican Republic, and it is some of the, and some of the brands you will know. Uh, because, because demand is so large, the capacity in the, in the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua is, reaching, is sort of hitting a little bit of maximum, right? And therefore, Africa produces. Africa offers uh, the land, the know-how, and the labor costs that are much cheaper to produce top-quality tobacco. So I think it's a trend that will happen, and of course we want to be, you know, at the forefront of that. And Kevin, that's a great question. I wanted to ask, and I'm glad you asked that question because <laughs> when you hear and you were saying earlier that uh, Africa and known for growing tobacco, and now understanding that. A lot of it, the majority of it has been cigarette tobacco, but they have the know-how of, of actually, you know, farming this tobacco. So to transition to, 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 to cigar tobacco would be a no-brainer. Um, and obviously the most well-known African uh, tobacco is Cameroon, even though I guarantee about 30% of the people didn't know Cameroon was in Africa. Uh, <laughs> and that's... Including Kevin, no, no pun intended. Um, it, 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 it was, I'll be honest, I said it was probably only two years ago I found out Cameroon was in Africa. Most people would be looking in South America or Central America for Cameroon, but what other tobaccos are being grown or that are grown in, in Africa that, um, you know, maybe they're not well known? Or is it just that they're growing? Nicaraguan seed or the Dominican or the tobaccos that they're bringing over and growing it in Africa? Or is there a specific uh, um, tobaccos to some of these areas in Africa that are being grown as well? What, what has happened is um, people brought in a wide, wide selection of seeds from, South, uh, fr from the Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, and so on, and tested them, uh, for example, in Zimbabwe and in Zambia. And then, and then, so which which varieties work, which don't? So to answer your question, I am am I aware of any 100% uh, native tobacco? I don't think so. But you know, it, it's all very fluid because if you look very very deep, I, have, I bet you some of those seeds in the in the Dominican Republic or elsewhere or Nicaragua 
originally maybe originated from somewhere else anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah they all do, yeah. It's a, exactly. Yeah. It's a very fluid, it's a very fluid uh, thing. So, uh, but I know for a fact, because I know some of the farmers who, who grow tobacco for some of the top brands, grow filler, for example, and it's shipped all the way back mm-hmm. to, um, uh, yeah, to all the way back to the Dominican Republic. So, Kevin, example, if, Mex- yeah. if Kevin, if Mexican San Andreas was grown in Africa, would it still be called Mexican San Andreas? You, you know, so there, <laughs> so, so there, there's actually a uh, you know Jeff Borshowitz is actually a big proponent of of getting more tobaccos labeled properly, you know, especially with shade, Connecticut shade. You know, shade, you know when you say it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a, a con- Connecticut shade, you know, seed. You know, people, oh, it's grown in Connecticut, and then it's not. It's end up growing. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's grown elsewhere. And uh, so, yeah, he's a big proponent of, of actually labeling where the tobaccos are grown to prevent confusion and to prevent people because they do grow Cameroon outside Cameroon as well. Yeah. You know, but, but it's but it's not the same. It doesn't taste the same and everybody knows it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like wine. It's exactly like wine. Right. You might have grapes grown all over the place and those grapes might have originated from some place and then. Uh, <clears throat> and then they retain the name. For example, Shiraz. I don't know if you're familiar with the red, uh, the Shiraz, red wine. Uh, mm-hmm. That, yeah, that that's originally comes from from Iran, right? From the city southern southern Iran. But now, when now if you if you're drinking Shiraz, it, it, it wasn't grown in Iran. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no def, definitely not not today. Um, so what about tell us about um like uh, the the farmers you know that that are growing this you know you bring these seeds over they're growing it obviously they know how to grow tobacco but was there a steep learning curve on them fermenting tobacco cuz cuz cigarette tobacco definitely 100% fermented different you know especially the age than than the cigar tobacco Yeah yeah that that that's the million dollar question uh so we work with them and actually, we will be posting on Instagram. The, the new season come, starts just now. And, our, uh, you know, one of our farmers, our key farmer in, in Zimbabwe, we will, be, we will be posting the whole season from, from, from seed to seedling to planting to, to everything. So we, we basically, the short answer is whatever they don't know, they learn. And we help them with that learning. And actually, we will be flying one of uh, the farmers to, to, to um, I think, Nicaragua for them to, to perfect that, that knowledge in terms of fermentation and, and so on. Uh, so it's all about, you know, there's an element of learning as well as we go. There's a question here from uh, Ben Irwin. Um, are the tobaccos that are grown in Africa, African tobaccos, those tobaccos brought over and grown in Africa, is there a noticeable flavor difference? Well, I, honestly, it's for you to tell us. Um, <clears throat> certainly the Cameroon, I think, is very distinctive for a start because of the very rich soils. It's very distinctive. It's probably a bit more spicy. I would say also, by the way, that our cigars are aged in... Uh, so, you know, cigars are aged with, in, in cedar sheet, in sheets of cedar wood. And our, our sheets come from Ghana, which is in West Africa, which is very fragrant. Therefore, uh, that, that also impacts, I think, and deepens the aroma of the cigars. Mm. And, and now that we have grown as a business, we age our cigars for longer. 
uh, we, you know, the aging of the tobaccos also has much improved. So, so those flavors, I think you will, you will perhaps sense more as we go. Now, but now us, has, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. My, so Anthony, who's used to tobacco, tasting tobacco grown in the Dominican Republic, has he, has he mentioned yeah. or, or said something to you? Like you take that same seed grown in the Dominican Republic, you transplant it to Mozambique. Is that specific tobacco? Is it greatly different or is only slightly different? You know, can, can he tell like, Hey, this is just a little, you know, a little different because obviously the soil, the climate, everything is going to affect that plant just a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, obviously it would be a bit different, but um, I think there are so many other components. For example, same thing, that same tobacco grown in Nicaragua would be different from the Dominican Republic, grown by these guys would be different from those guys, grown on this, you know. So I think there are many components. I think it would be very, very hard to tell. Look, this is 100% I don't know, African, this is 100% not African and so on. It's really about the quality as opposed to the origin itself, I would I would argue. And, and, and the quality is spot on. I smoked one last night. I just finished one right now. Um, uh, you did send us a three-pack. So uh, um, in, in our prize pack tonight, we give away cigars each week uh, from one of our sponsors. I am going to toss in this final cigar for our lucky winner to get tonight. Um, and it's a fantastic cigar. It's, um, the construction was absolutely flawless. Um, razor sharp burn, nice draw, wasn't over tight, wasn't very loose. And, um, I'm not an expert cigar reviewer. So to say I got notes of honey or chocolate or, or this or that, it was just, it was just a really good cigar and it was unique. It did have a very unique flavor to it. Like if you smoked it and you didn't know anything about the cigar, you would question the cigar. Like what, what is this that I'm smoking? It's, it's definitely something that I'm not used to. So something to do with that tobacco grown over there is adding a, a little bit different complexity to the cigar. And Kerr, I'll definitely make sure you get your, your, uh, your cigars. I'll double check, see what happened there. You know, with some luck, I think you get them by tomorrow. Uh, and uh, yeah, look, uh, for sure, it, by the way, we're happy to contribute a few more samplers for, for your viewers. So not just do that one lonely cigar. <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we definitely we give cigars away each week. We always have a prize pack. So, yeah, if you wanted to contribute anything else, you know, definitely, you know, we definitely appreciate that. I'm sure our, our, uh, our watchers, viewers would definitely love that as well. Um Let's talk about so so you you've got you know you you've you've got your order for the first thousand cigars you know mm -hmm. so now now you're you're like a legitimate cigar company you got your first order in <laughs> yeah. um, where does it so so what are you know are there a lot of rules because Africa's got a lot of different countries so when you when you're making in the Dominican Republic or Honduras or Nicaragua and you want to send to the United States there I mean other than like state level stuff it's essentially just one rule you know, the federal government, mm -hmm. what is it, you know, how, how is it getting cigars? Is there a lot of different rules and regulations for different countries in, in Africa? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not just in Africa, all over the world. 
So, you know, dealing in with cigars and tobacco is all about understanding the rules of import-export for every country. The, the health regulations, do you have to have that health sticker or that one and which size and all, all of that. That's, we learned very quickly and sometimes the hard way that uh, this is absolutely crucial. Now, in Africa, and so we started first branching out into the, the, the countries around us, obviously. So that would be South Africa, which is a very developed economy. Uh, and by the way, if, if you can, pull up a picture of Sant in Johannesburg uh, for people to get an idea of, of what we're talking about. So, uh, and, uh, and then we branched out into Kenya. And yes, absolutely. The first thing you need to know in all these countries is how it works. What are the rules? What are the regulations? Above all, it's about tax. You know, the, the governments tax tobacco very highly, so you have to know the process and, and the taxes to be paid and so on. <clears throat> uh, but, but other than that, the rules tend to be fairly straightforward. Okay, there's Santon Johannesburg for you. Again, I'm sure it would have challenged, uh, you know, the impression of, of many people. So this is, this is the financial center in Johannesburg. It's it's beautiful, yeah. Oh yeah, Santon is amazing. It's, that, it's that's fun. not what I see on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, uh, you know, when when you're dealing with Africa, there's a lot of cliches. So one of them is Safari Africa. Everyone thinks, you know, the Lion King and lions and elephants and all of that. We thought, as as a brand, okay, I, I accept our logo has an elephant on it, but as a brand identity, we this is not the message we want to convey. Another one, another message is, of course, what I would call NGO Africa, because, yes, there's been a lot of non-governmental organizations working there. And, and yes, there's still lots of inequality, lots of hardship and so on. Um, but also, this is not the what we want to convey is the Africa that is that's rich or re getting richer, that is confident and that is projecting its own identity and its own cultural contribution to the world including in music, in clothing, in fashion, and in luxury. And so this is what we want to be part of. And yeah, so, so South Africa, Johannesburg is great, great fun. And uh, Santon is very, very cool. Very trendy. So, 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 in, yeah. so in, in like, in like, so, so we saw a picture of uh, Johannesburg, you know, very, I mean, the financial district there. I mean, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Looks like a lot of wealth there. Um, was it hard breaking into that, you know, because, you know, when we speak of like that much wealth, everybody wants the Davidoffs. They want the Don Pepines. They want the Cubans. Was it hard getting a local cigar? Did they, did they think less, you know, it's like, Oh, I, I don't, I don't want, I want the, the super premium. Yeah. Uh, well, this is the point when people make money, I mean, they go from not make money. They go from poverty or lower middle class to middle class and so on up the chain. First, they want those flashy brands, whether in the cigar world or same in champagne and whiskey and so on. But then as they're moving up that curve, they want products that talk to them, that are part of their heritage, of, of their culture. And they, they totally understand and want to, to create skills and jobs where they are. And they understand that it's, you know, it's, it, it doesn't take a genius to buy a, a French champagne. But it's much more interesting if you're trying a local beer. And by the way, South Africa produces amazing wines, produces amazing brandy. 
and now we are from Mozambique and we produce a gas. So it's part of that trend towards local stuff. Um, so was it hard? It's, it's hard to say because I, I don't know how hard or not it is for, for other brands. I would just say this. Um, if you go into a cigar shop, every single other cigar looks the same and sounds the same. And all, many, many, many have the same names, like San Juan, San Pedro, San this, and that, all, all, you know, so many of them. So if you're coming in with a product that has a very distinct identity, a very different name, you can't go into a shop and say, hey, I tried, a, I tried a Dominican cigar last week. Can you just help me find it again? Well, that's not going to help a lot. Whereas if you come into a shop and say, hey, I've heard of that African cigar. How can I, can I try it? Well, there's only one. So that opens a lot of doors. And, uh, and we were hard sellers early on. It's like, look, you, you're in Africa. You have a cigar shop. There's no way on this planet you're not going to list the only African cigar. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and having said all of this, so people will always try a new cigar. Certainly if it's an African cigar, they will try it. The real issue is, do they come back for more? Because otherwise we have no business. If we don't have repeat orders, we don't have a business. And when they try it, you can almost hear in their head the, the thought that goes, well, this is an African cigar, I'm curious, I'm going to try it, but it's going to be some cheap stuff and I'm going to go back to my usual very quickly after that. And then they're surprised. They're surprised uh, that we have the quality, we have the build, we have the construction, the draw and so on. And then they come back. And today we have very regular clients from all over the world. People write us, by the way, on Instagram, on Facebook every day, and we love it. Please keep it coming. We keep a book of all client feedback. I send it to the team whenever we have a, you know, it just makes our day. When someone from all over the world just sends a picture, say, hey, I just enjoyed the Bongani, you know, in New York, in Hawaii. <laughs> we got a guy in Hawaii. So it's amazing. Um, yeah, sorry, I diverted, uh, diverted a little bit. There. No, 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 that's, that, that, right. that, that, that's, what, that's what we love. That's what the show's all about. We just kind of go with the flow. Um, so, so you're, you know, you're branching out, you know, um, uh, what was, the, what was your first step out of Africa? What was the first country that, that brought you in outside Africa? Yeah. Um, in a way we probably could have branched out earlier. Basically what happened is we got media coverage. So, um, I think within two years of starting, uh, the BBC, you know, the British, uh, the British broadcaster came over, they did a documentary on us. In, in the fabrica and the you know the the, the, the well the, what do you call it whatever the, the factory yeah. uh, it's actually on it's actually on YouTube you can see it on our channel so okay. that gave us a lot of exposure Reuters came in as well and did an article mm. the New York Times did one and then and then a lot of the cigar journals did cigar journal did one as well and so on so people started calling us wanting to distribute the brand or asking hey where can I find it and of course, and so from there, we started branching out. Um, I'm not sure what, what our first country outside, uh, outside Africa, maybe Switzerland, maybe the US. Uh, they all sort of happened at the same time, more or less. We're in the UK, we're in Switzerland today, we're in, uh, and, and in the US uh, as well, yeah. And many yeah. other smaller countries, very, very unlikely places where people would just call us. We have someone in Barbados, someone in Japan. <laughs> it's like, you know, why not? Well, because because it's different. You know, it's 
So when when a, um, a, a regular company, Care and I, you know, we, we come out with a cigar where, where, you know, we have it made in the Dominican Republic, Honduras, Nicaragua. You know, we bring it into the U.S. We have to really push, you know, why that cigar is different when in reality, you know, it's essentially, you know, the same as all the other cigars are out there. You have that one leg up. You have an African cigar. You know, I mean, it's just that, you know, it's that, that one extra reason to give them to try your cigar versus everybody mm -hmm. else. Now, was that media coverage? Was was that um, good and bad? You know, that, that much coverage, that young of a company, you know, that, that could actually hurt a lot of companies, you know, that would force them to overproduce or produce faster and cut corners. Did you, do you, do you see it as good and bad? Um, it was good on balance, definitely good. Always happy, you know, to have exposure. Probably a bit early for us in the game, but that was always going to happen a bit like that. And yes, look, when you're starting, you are definitely trying to balance between aging your cigars and needing cash to pay the bills. So you always want to age your cigars more and better and so on. And uh, you always want to sell your cigars because you need the money. So uh, early on, we definitely struggled a lot with that. Now we're much, you know, we're bigger, we're, we're, we're more solid. But uh, it, it was a challenge, yeah, for sure. And, and also remember, it's not only about the cigars, it's everything else. It's the packaging, it's the branding. For example, I don't know if you guys have seen our box. Hold on, let me show you a box. It's because our box opened also a lot of doors. So uh, this is the, I don't know, if, can you guys see this is the box? Uh, so, so you oh, know, we got, we got a little closer. Yeah, little there it is. There you go. Yeah, there's a bit of a delay on 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 the. Yeah. No. Okay. So so basically, we you know we worked almost for for a year on the box. It's it's black with our gold logo on it. Basically, the reason is because these are the colors of the region. There, the black and the gold. You can see them also on the flags and so on. And our motto here says "Smoke Africa." Uh, which, which also comes from our clients. It doesn't come from us. Because we, uh, we had a group of clients in South Africa, and they were smoking bonganis, and one of their friends shows up, and he's holding a cigar, and he's holding a Cuban cigar. So they, say, they said to him, I wasn't there. They told me the story afterwards, and they said, hey, what are, you smoke, what are you smoking? Come, try this. We are smoking Africa. So not we are smoking an African cigar or African-made cigar. We are smoking Africa. And I loved it. So we changed our motto and became Smoke Africa. I, I, I love that. That was actually, yeah. um, you know, for, for me, that was, I mean, you're telling that story. And that's, you know, I, I got a little emotional. I mean, I, I, I love that, you know, Smoke Africa, you know, Smoke, you know. Yeah, that I, I love it. I absolutely love I love yeah. that story. I love how that that came out. That's just absolutely it wasn't a, a PR firm that made your you know made that tagline i mean it come from the people smoking your cigar that that's absolutely awesome love it mm, thank you so, yeah so um how difficult was it to get into the u.s the u.s market how how long how far along were you you know because you started the company in 2016 and i think i've been seeing your cigars for about a year now maybe mm -hmm. here in here in the states so how long have you been here in the uh, the, the u.s 
longer, about uh, two and a half years at a lower level, and then and then building up, building up gradually. You know, the U.S. is a huge market, so so we just decided to focus on some specific areas because we cannot, you know, we, we could we didn't want to work with any of the large distributors. I don't know whether they would have worked with us or not, but we didn't want to be beholden to one guy who says, hey, essentially, they would buy our whole production. We prefer, it comes from my banking days. You know, when you start as a banker, the one thing that's drilled into you is know your clients. You have to know who you're doing business with. And I so I love knowing our clients, whether they are shops or lounges or even end clients. Uh, and therefore, we start small and we build bit by bit. So in so, the U.S., so we've, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, so so you have, you know, so you're out of Tampa. You're out of uh, um, Dave Blanco, who's distributing your cigars out of Tampa. Um, do you have other distributors or is, or is Blanco your, your main distributor? We worked with another distributor as well. And... Um, no, Blanco does nothing for you know he, he uh, he's not he's not our distributor. Basically, we we distribute we uh, we distribute our cigars. Oh, okay, okay, I I, th I thought we, it was we have sales reps. Yeah, we have brand ambassadors uh, all over the country, and then people just get in touch and we, we supply them. Well, by okay. people, I mean mainly cigar lounges and shops. Okay. So, so do you do you have um, obviously uh, uh, in the future aspirations of having a a sales force here in the U.S. or you just want to mainly stick with the you know sales brokers? No, we we are building. We want to build our sales force in the U.S. Build our presence. We also have a website that that works quite well, uh, and so we do sell online as well, um, and we're growing very nicely. You know. We always say we want to do it one cigar at a time, one client at a time. Uh, so we're not trying to throw money at it and hope it sticks. We just do it very, on a very regular, very regular sort of growth that we can manage because we don't want to be stressed out by too much, too much growth. Because you know the one thing that is more stressful than a client who doesn't want your product is a client who wants your product and you can't deliver. Mm. That's that's horrible. So you know we do it on a very careful. A managed growth basis. Yeah, there, there's there's nothing worse than that. And having you know you know some of these companies that start off, you know they'll they'll hit the market with eight, ten, twelve different blends, you know, and then they can't keep up, and then they're always on back order. They're not always <laughs> being able to supply. Um, yeah, you know, I I I I, I like the companies that start off. You know, just have you know one blend, two blend, three or four. You know, and that that's it. You know, just at least perfect what you have, you know, and then, and then, then move up. From yeah. There. Yeah. You don't need, you don't need more than that. Now we have one strong advantage is it is our factory. We are not subcontracting production to, yeah. to another factory. And that gives us, um, I think a quite strong strategic advantage because we can control, we can grow our production as we need it. You know, we don't run the risk of, of, and please tell me your experience of that, but we don't run the risk of, you know, being on back order because our factory cannot produce or something. We're busy with another, another brand. Did you do you struggle with that at all? Yeah, you know that that's that's the big thing. You know, like you just you just hit the nail on the head when you say struggle with another, you know, or struggle with a brand, especially on a, on a new brand. <laughs> if you go to a, um, a factory, Care can probably expound on this. 
is, you know, if you're only ordering a thousand cigars. So I, I just got in a shipment for my company, you know, a couple weeks ago, a thousand cigars. Um, I was not high on the list for a thousand cigars. There were other people making a hundred thousand cigars, 200,000 yeah. cigars. So to make a thousand cigars, that's nobody wants to, nobody wants to do that. You know, l- luckily, luckily my, my friend owns the factory, you know, so we, we got them a little quicker, but, but yeah, care can definitely, you know, yeah. if yeah, I, I'm lucky enough, the factory I work with in uh, Nicaragua, um, the owner and I are pretty tight and, um, we have a good partnership. So um, if we, we have that, like like what you're saying, Kamal, you have that flexibility with that. If you want to try a different Vitola, just do a short run of Vitolas just for a specific country, you have that flexibility to do that. Mm. Where if you want to do that at another factory, you have some of them have minimal orders. Like Kevin said, if it's not uh, an X amount of, that you're ordering, it's probably going to be lower on the list. So you can't have a quick turnaround time. There's other factories I've worked with where, you know, um, you know, they'll just kind of rush through your stuff real quick and, you know, just to get it out. And then you get cigars that are either improperly made or they're they're not filled with enough tobacco or the the, the tobacco is not fermented. And um, and then you get a really sloppy, poor product. And when you're a small brand that can torpedo you. So you have a, a great deal of not only dictating you know your 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 cigar production but also you can really dictate any um entrance of newer blends or newer vitolas and do test runs and see how how it works yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and and for example we did have a batch once with uh, bad quality it wasn't growing it was a problem well we ditched it we didn't, it's not like we still had to ship it or, or whatever. We just ditched it completely. So, yeah, so we, we do have that advantage, absolutely. And, and also, we, we work closely. So if, if we, we know what orders are coming down the pipeline. We plan in accordance with that. Uh, and every quarter, we hire more cigar rollers whom we train as well. And so we know that our production capacity is growing and we can we can plan for that. We also have search capacity. If really, really, we we wanted to, to produce way more, we could quickly. Plus, if you do, like you said, if you do the quality control and you recognize that there's a bad batch, that's your factory. So that's your name. You don't have to go back and argue with someone <laughs> and go back and forth of, well, do you have it properly humidified? Do you know you're not going back and forth with this arguments? So you gotta the only person that you'd be lying to is yourself at that point. You know, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it that that's that's fantastic. Yeah, that, that does you know that that gives us an advantage for sure. And we're very, very keen on 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 quality. You know, that was from yeah. day one. We understood that what will make us or break us is quality, is not volume. Right. So I mean, there has been cases where literally I would call myself the client, the end client say, look, I'm sorry, there was, you mentioned this issue, let me replace it or, you know, let me get, let me send you a sampler and so on. And people would, would be surprised sometimes. Mm. <clears throat> you know, but, but you say that, you know, you quality, you, because there is a, there is a stigma and, and I'll, you know, I'll be honest, you know, when, when I, when I got the cigars in, it's an African cigar. You know, there, there's a stigma that that we see because of movies, because of TV shows of what Africa is truly all about. Um, you know, so you have to have that high quality because if, if the quality was low, 
then the consumer was right. And I, I knew, I knew it was going to be a cheap cigar, you know, but, it, you know, so you have to have that super high quality, which your cigars are, you know, the, the few that I've, that I've smoked. So um, you, it, it's definitely, it's definitely something that you cannot compromise on, you know, versus, you know, any, any other company can have, you know, maybe a bad cigar here and there. You guys really can't, you guys have to have the best all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And we're very, very keen on our clients. As I say, it's, it's a bit of a community. People reach out to us. And we always prefer to lose a cigar than to lose a client. So if there's any issue, we will replace it. But to be fair, we've had very, very few issues. Uh, you know, we, 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 test, we test a lot. Um, and we, we take care of our clients, for sure. We depend on them. Now, how, how, many, how many rollers um, or how many people work in the factory now? uh 15 15 so we're still a very small operation we're growing as i say every quarter we hire two to three cigar rollers keeping in mind that 15 people can produce a lot of cigars mm. oh yeah so uh yeah and we do it by the way the with the dominican culture not the cuban culture i don't know if you're familiar with that in cuba so of course the cigar is made by these two components one is the inside and then you 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 put the wrapper uh, uh, afterwards right the guy who does the inside is called the bonchero and the guy who does uh, pu puts on the wrapper is called the rolero um in cuba it's the same person doing both you see it for example if you go to tampa and you see some of the bars yeah. producing cigars there is the same person doing everything because they have this uh, Cuban tradition. We do it the Dominican way. So we have part of the team at the old Leros, part of the team, the old Boncheros. And for, now, for now, a long, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, so, so now when uh, um, um, Anthony came in, were, th were there any changes that he had to make because of either, you know, the, the workers, the, uh, the environment, or was he able to, pretty much replicate a Dominican factory in Mozambique and, and it's exactly the same. No, it's not exactly the same. He, we, we had to adapt, uh, especially in the beginning because the team was very small. So it, it was almost like he had to do everything. Um, but it definitely has a bit of the Dominican culture behind it. For example, the way the tables are positioned uh, are, are the Dominican way because <laughs> I said look why don't we put them like this he's like no 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 no. they have to be in a row like that <laughs> okay fine so so you know all these small details and and then yes we we every day like he had to we had to change and correct and improve all the time because otherwise we would have never made it I mean first of all we we came to near death I don't know for certainly once or twice really really close and uh, a number of, so we had to learn and change all the time, get feedback from clients and adapt to, to the locals. Having said that, one of the incredible surprises is how quickly people got on to, to rolling cigars, how quickly they are trained and how quickly they're good at it. Uh, <clears throat> for all, all sorts of reasons, but we, even now, we hire youngsters and within three months, they're already producing a small quantity but of good quality cigars. And we don't pressure on volume. So in the Dominican Republic, you are paid by the number of cigars you are rolled, you roll per day. So you have a very strong pressure on volume. 
which is fair enough. You know, these guys produce, you know, hundreds of millions uh, a year. So it's a different game. In our case, we don't we don't pressure on volume. We pressure on quality. So the, the but also labor costs are lower, are much lower. So we can afford to do that. And finally, in Mozambique and even in, in some other countries, we, we were like a dominant cigar. So that gives us a lot of financial base uh, to to be able to 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 experiment and to afford lower volume and high, higher quality. We don't need to pressure people on volume. Three months, Kev. You and I, there's still hope. Yeah, three to to, to learn how to make. No, it's uh, and, and I'm assuming uh, Kamal that uh, the majority of your rollers are women, like they are in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Yes. Actually, for for a while, they were all women, only women. And they said, look, next batch of guys, you come in, we need guys here. It's too many women. So, so I mean, we do not select per gender, but then suddenly we go, we started getting uh, male cigar rollers as well. And that's a new thing. W- women are just better at that fine detail. You know, um, it, it's just something, you know, men, you, you see that men are, are, you know, you'll see more of them in the, as the Banchero. But when it comes to the mm-hmm. Roleros, you know, you're still... It's probably got to be 99% women still at every factory in, in the world. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I didn't quite think about it like that. But yeah. um, anyway, yeah. So we're not, now we're maybe 80% women, 20% male. So so how, how has the cigar community grown just in, in Mozambique? Have you seen because of, because of what you do, you know, are you – you know, are you are you walking down the streets of Mozambique, seeing more people smoking cigars? Are there more lounges popping up? You know, as a direct result of, of you guys, you know, establishing your business. Uh, there are certainly more lounges popping up uh, in Mozambique and elsewhere, and South Africa, Kenya, and so on. The cigar culture all over Africa is growing quite a lot. So you, you will see, depending on the country, you will see the, the brands that you know are there. Some of them, sometimes there are fake Cubans as well, but increasingly <laughs> less, less and less. Um, and you get some very good cigar, cigar lounges. Now, did we contribute to that? Uh, possibly. I mean, we sell a lot in Mozambique, pretty much everywhere. It's, it's a bit of our home market. Um, we, I think we have possibly contributed to the cigar culture. Yeah, for sure. Sure. I mean, we, we sell quite a bit there. But uh, I mean, there was a, a time in Kenya, we were not just the number one cigar, we were the only cigar, because the, the, the importer of Cuban cigars went bust. Uh, <laughs> and for a while, we're the only cigar in town. <laughs> That was great. It, 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 it's funny to see there's, there are fake, fake Cuban cigars everywhere on this planet. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but Increasingly, people know about it, and no one wants to be caught with a fake Cuban. You know, not going to impress anyone with that. So, uh, it's it, it's been there's a massive crackdown in Mozambique, for example, or elsewhere with, on on fake on fakes. Next to money, Kevin, the most counterfeited uh, product on in the world is Cuban cigars. Cuban, Cuban oh, really? Cigars. <laughs> I, so, I it, didn't know that. You know, it, it's it's cr- it's crazy. Um, you know, just. And, and then the pricing of Cubans, Cuban cigars, you know, they're just pricing themselves out of the market, you know, it, it, you know especially with going on a Hong Kong based pricing schedule. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, I don't I don't know what they're what they're thinking. They're, they're just going to price themselves out. 
and and that and that's it. No, nobody's going to be able to afford Cuban cigars. Yeah, in any country. Yeah, I mean, even in Switzerland, which is a very rich market, people complain now about the prices of Cuban cigars, and the quality it doesn't match that pricing. So, so they're losing market share for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, Bahike just just raised their price. It's three hundred and fifty dollars U.S. for a Bahike now. Oh wow, crazy! That's, I mean, that, that's insane. It, it, it's it's insane when when they can buy boxes and boxes of uh you know uh, uh others other cigars. Yeah. Um, so how how is your you know um your cigars pricing? You know um can can the average? I don't know what like. The, the exchange rate of Mozambique, can the average person afford to buy, you know, that's going back to my stigma of what I know about Africa from movies and TV show, you know, um, is, is there, is there a lot of, is it more middle-class, you know, um, than, than there is lower class or. Yeah, there, there is a, so our cigar, for example, in, so our, okay. In the U S the Robusto you're smoking is set for 1190. At the shop, okay. In Mozambique, it will probably it sells for uh, yeah, same thing about twelve dollars equivalent, twelve dollars. So yes, there are plenty of people who can afford the cigar, not a problem. Um, it's it's uh, it's a middle lower middle class, so they would be slightly poorer than than the USA, but there is definitely a, a growing middle class. And you know, if you want to have a good time. It's it's easier to buy a good cigar than it is to buy a new car. So if you want to show off a little bit, uh, so so yes, there's plenty of people who can afford a cigar, not a problem. And and you know, in Africa, all over the place, it's very much a community, family, friend sort of culture. It's not an individualistic culture. And so to enjoy cigars with friends, with a good beer or or with a whiskey and so on, is very much in the culture. So, so what's uh, um um what what's next for for the company? Will, will you be um out here in Las Vegas at PCA uh, next week? No, we're not going to PCA because it's it's very big. It's a bit too big for us at this point. Uh, we are growing our presence. You know, as I say, one client at a time on a gradual basis in the U.S. Um, we're getting quite quite nice traction, you know, all over. Um, so we just want to keep growing on a gradual basis. The U.S. is a great market for us. Keep in mind that the African-American community in the U.S. connects really, really well with Bongani, with, with our cigars, because of our African heritage. So in Atlanta, you know, there's very strong demand. Sometimes in Florida as well. Florida is a bit more challenging and other in other states as well. So we'll just keep keep growing on a gradual basis. Florida is always challenging because we have no tobacco tax, so there are so many cigars here in Florida. You can go yeah. to any any lounge and then have your choice of hundreds and hundreds mm -hmm. of cigars. You know, so to convince uh, a lounge owner to bring your cigar in, they say F Florida here. It's where I'm at. You know, it's the toughest toughest market to to really break into. Yes, yes. Although we are in some of the some of some some top lounges, <clears throat> but yes, I agree with you. It's 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 much harder. It's also got a much more uh, Caribbean, Latino, Cuban culture as as opposed to an African culture. Whereas yes. if you yeah, whereas Atlanta or or even Houston, Texas, wherever, you know, we're African American. We're African. 
there, there is there is definitely a big community there that is uh, very interested. So per perfect. So what can you, you know? To, so to, to to finish up, um, tell tell us about Mozambique. Just just the the the, the city that you haven't you know um, that you that you haven't told us before. What what's the history of the of the city? And people, you know, if people want to come and visit, you know, um, mm -hmm. what, what can what can they what can they expect? We'll, we'll show up this picture one more time. Yeah, if you can show up actually the the map, perhaps so we can, we show people where Mozambique is. Uh, what they can expect is a holiday of their lifetime. Okay, I lived in Mozambique for a number of years. It's absolutely amazing. So first of all, you're looking here at two thousand miles of amazing beach. Okay, so you can see the country there. It has an amazing coast on the Indian Ocean. Lovely, lovely people, great food, and amazing sea and beach for a start. And good cigars, by the way. So uh, what can you expect? It's friendly. There's, there's a lot of great places to stay from the very, very, very high-end luxury all the way to, to something more affordable. If you're going to Mozambique, absolutely give us a call. Incidentally, when, when I got married years and years ago, I actually, by complete coincidence, one part of my honeymoon was in northern Mozambique where you have amazing islands. If, you, if, you, you know, if you're into buying an island, this is the place to be. You have hundreds of really, really stunning islands on that blue, imagine blue water, white sand underneath, just magical. So parts of Mozambique are like that. It's also very unspoiled. It's not quite highly developed yet. And that's really refreshing. That means you can go diving and there is amazing sea life, one of the best in the world. Uh, it, it still has a, a bit of this adventure feel to it. Um, probably some parts haven't changed since, you know, since it was first developed. So, so the history is that the Portuguese, you know, and maybe we can end on this, but the Portuguese started colonizing Africa. And then, of course, the English and the French did the same. Now, the Portuguese colonized Africa on the, uh, around, maybe, you know, on the map you could see it. So they, they stayed on uh, around the coast and they set up outposts on the coast, which is why Mozambique on the east, Angola on the west, and further up, and all further up on the, on the west is Capo Verde, uh, Cape Verde and so on. They speak Portuguese. The French went more from west to east and the English went north to south. That's roughly how you can divide it. So here you can see on the uh, Kenya, Tanzania, and so on, they speak English. Mozambique speaks Portuguese. South Africa speaks English. It's 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 a it's a mixture. But having okay, said so, all of so, this, amazing country. You know, really lovely people and uh, a lot of space. Just beautiful. What is uh, um, uh, everybody when they when they travel to a different country or even to a different state here in the U.S. It's always, you know, well, not always. It's a lot about food. So, what are what are some some cultural favorite dishes? You know, what you know of, of Mozambique. S seafood is amazing because it is not industrial. You still have amazingly huge lobsters and uh, king prawns and so on. Generally, just cooked cooked on the barbecue. That would be uh, definitely a, a local specialty, and you can go to the market, the fish market, pick it up. It's, it, we used to have these amazing, huge lunches. Uh, invite friends over with crazy seafood. So, so it, is it a a, a cost-effective place to to visit? You know, um, obviously, if you go to London or if you go to the UAE, 
you're gonna you're gonna have a large expenses of getting there and then hotels and food. What's you know Mozambique is still a, an affordable place that that people can can visit. Yeah, yeah, it would definitely be cheaper than Dubai. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> uh, it is cost effective. It's not going to be dirt cheap, but it is cost effective. Uh, you know, you will you will pick up a beer for a couple of dollars, two three dollars, not for twenty dollars, and uh, it's it's very genuine. And you will see on a Friday, everyone is by the beach, barefoot, dancing away, music. You know, you will have these ladies with their ice boxes selling uh, selling beer or coke and so on. And it's uh, look if you if you hit up Mozambique, if you go to Mozambique, hit us up, call us, we'll take care of you. We'll show you around and make sure you've got enough cigars for the stay. All right, Care. You hear that? Hey, he said you could buy an island, Kev. So yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> on you to buy an island to uh, in, to decrease our cost. Uh, th- that's it. You've been in this business longer than me, so I'll have to, you'll have to front some that of that. I'm poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Care, do you have any final questions, thoughts for uh, for Kamal before we let him go tonight? No, I appreciate the time and great uh, history lesson and – um, dispelling the myth of the Discovery Channel, Kev. I know it's uh, the only movies we see are Lord of War and all these types of movies. That's all we know. Yeah. About about Africa. So now now we need some real movies showing real Africa. But just come out with a cigar. And just call it Dispelling the Myth. Yeah, and that's it. Right there you go. But no, thank you very much. Really great information on the uh, um, on the tobacco. Um, culture in, in Africa and, and how, you know, um, more and more uh, uh, cigar tobacco is being grown um, and, and just wish you, wish you continued success and, and great, uh, great fortune with, with, the, uh, with the business. Yeah, Kirk, Kevin, thank you for having me on. It was lovely. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. And anybody watching tonight or listening to the podcast in the future in the show notes down below, our links to the Bungani website, their social media. So definitely check them out. If you're here in the States, you can get their cigars here in the States. You go to their website, you know, they have a U.S. store, you know, you can hit that button and then you can purchase the cigars, you know, here in the U.S. So um, definitely give them a try. It's, it's a, it's a good cigar. Like I said, I, I had no, you know nothing but nice things to say about it. Great construction. And um, it's a it's an African cigar. That's just right there. Should just tell you, just to buy it. Just just smoke to be Africa. Different. Smoke Africa. I love it. I absolutely love it. So Kamal, thank you so much for coming on and spending uh, an hour and a half of your uh, you know your your late late evening with us. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much, guys. All right, you have a great evening. Have a great thank morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. We'll see you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, while uh, everybody start typing in the word uh, cigar for our tapping ash and taking names uh, giveaway. In the meantime, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Corona Cigar. You find the video, Corona hey, come Cigar. On,
Let's see. It's time for the Tapping Ash and Taking Names giveaway presented by Amendola Family Cigars. All right. Let's uh, let's share. Let me go to the comment section, see if everybody's got it in. All right. Let's share my screen. Sydney Butler wants to know where you can get a sampler. Uh, 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 BoganiCigars.com. Carrie, you can put the uh, the, the sampler the uh, down at the bottom there because I know we got to jump there to just put the. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, so go ahead and throw you that. Can't override on my overridden. That's uh, it. Uh, Care, can you see the screen since I'm on a different computer? Yes, sir. All right. Round and round. Who can't win? Um. It's a it's it's a list. So we'll uh, Rick G. Rick G. Can win. He's not Rick on my G. list. So thank you, Rick G. Uh, send me an email, Kevin at cigarprop.com. We're going to send you a uh, a prize pack out. Uh, this uh, this week's prize pack is a five or six cigars from Corona Cigar. This is their regular cigar of the month club shipment from uh, June 2023. And then inside there, I'm going to throw in one of the uh, the Bunganis that uh, that I have left over. I think you're really going to like that cigar. Um. All right, next week, uh, we welcome uh, Eric Drazen, uh, the Oak Glen Tobacconist, on the show. I've been following Eric on all the social medias forever now, and uh, um, he just makes fantastic content, super, super high quality. He's, I love the retro vibe that, uh, that he puts off, so can't wait to speak with him and learn a little bit. I don't know anything about Eric other than uh, uh, he's the owner of Oak Glen Tobacconist. So, uh, Oakland? Um, Oakland? Uh, Oak 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 Glen out in California, G L E N N. Yeah, Oak okay. Glen Tobacco O G T Cigars. Um, so uh, make sure you're following Cigar Prop producer Jessica, who's not with us tonight. Caraviahante of Stogie Rose Cigars, Bungani Cigars. It's scrolling on your screen right now. The the website, the social media links for them and all of us are in those show notes down below. I got to stop moving. I'm disappearing on my green screen. Here. Um. Yeah, click on those um, and uh, definitely support all of our uh, advertisers, our partners for making this show happen uh, each and every week. We really can't make it uh, happen without them. So once again, thank you to J.C. Newman Cigars, Cigar Medics, Amendola Cigars, We Are the Muscle, Jake Wyatt Cigars, Illusione Cigars, Deep in Flavor, Deep in Your Mind, K by Karen Burger Cigars, Corona Cigar, and of course, Drew Estate and experience acid kamal we're going to bring you back up here in a second care leave our uh our, our viewers our listeners with some final final thoughts hey listen great show again uh some great history go visit the bogani cigars website and try a sampler man smoke africa couldn't have said it better myself smoke africa all right everybody we'll see you next week we'll see you